Hi there, and welcome to the Hey Human podcast. Humans, and possibly robots, if you're listening to. I'm your host, Trevor Valley, and we're doing a special episode. It is episode 370. 370. It's the anniversary, and today I'm taking over because my guest is the notable artist, activist, singer, writer, and host of the Hey Human podcast, Susan Ruth. Yay! Can I, I can drop the voice now, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. It was a great voice, though. <laughs> Hi there. Hi there. <laughs> Hi there. Um, this is cool. Hi. Happy Hi. seven years. Seven, 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 seven. That, that is seven. wild. Seven. <laughs> That's for the robots. Oh, wait, no. Zero. Zero. Zero, one. zero, one, zero, one, one, zero. <laughs> Apologies to the robots out there. <laughs> so, I've known you a while. I've been on your podcast. You have. You asked me to do this version, which is kind of rad. So I thought now, it'd be fun. Now, I get to ask all the cool questions. But I'm trying to think, have you ever been interviewed on this show before? I was interviewed, I want to say it was the first year anniversary or the 100th episode. I can't remember which one it was. And it was uh, my best friend Ellen Severe interviewed me. Rad. Yeah. So if it was either the first year or the hundredth episode, it's been at least six years <laughs> and <laughs> and or two hundred and seventy episodes. It's been a long time. I want. I think it was the first year actually. Yeah, she did a good job. So you got big shoes to fill, my friend. Oh, I got it. No, no I got you'll this. Be fine. No. I, I kind of. I, it's funny you said activists, and I thought activists. I said, oh. In my brain pan, I think, am I? I guess I am. You're totally an activist. But I, I don't ever, I've never considered that moniker at all. Which well, is funny. That's, an, that's an interesting place to start because the, the general term activism is that you are active in promoting something, usually of a, at least you would hope, a human, you know, humanocentric thing like rights or freedoms or things like that. Mm. I've always thought of you as an activist, purposely or uh, personally. That's why I said it, because you are constantly fighting for the benefit and rights of LGBTQIA, uh, the the trans population of the world right now, mm. and you've been a very, you know, a very loud and strong voice in allyship, as well as just promoting goodwill, especially with this podcast. And prison stuff. And, oh, yes, very prison much. Prison stuff is really big for me. I, I'm sorry, I'm getting warm, so I'm already stripping. Hello, it's very exciting. Isn't That's your other podcast. We'll, we'll deal with that in a while. <laughs> yeah. But, yes, Susan Ruth just took off her hoodie. I took off my, my hoodie. Woohoo. And thank you for the cocktail. Oh, we're, uh, we're doing this right. Cheers. What yes. is this called? Cheers. Um, it's a version of a cocktail that I came up with called the Pinstripe Soup. Think of uh, soup. No, Pin- I love that. No, so we'll call that the Pinstripe Soup. The original is the Pinstripe Suit. It's a uh, effectively a rum old fashioned, but. Since I don't have all the access to all of my wet bar here, other than I've got thousands of dollars worth of rum, but not the specific stuff I need to make cool tiki cocktails. You are a big rum fan. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a couple bottles over there that I could sell to pay rent. Don't break into his apartment, please. No, no, you you won't make it. The uh, the, uh, the I, I feel like this apartment is probably booby trapped anyway. <laughs> 
I haven't shown you all of it, yeah. so we'll we'll just put it that way. Anyway, no, we're we're getting to you. Um, you know would be a great booby trap because historically, the people that break into your houses are probably men. No offense to men everywhere, but historically, no, no, it's, yeah, and, yes, and all men. Statistically, yes. men, yeah, are the ones breaking in. So this is just everybody loves boobs. Let's just say that mm-hmm. straight. Straight, gay, women, men, everybody loves oh, boobs. Yeah. Boobs no. are interesting. Boobs we, are red. You know, we start out with the boobs, you know. Yeah. Boobs are big. They don't have to be big they, boobs. They can be small. They can be small, oh. but they're they're great. So wouldn't a great booby trap be actual, like, a model of boobs that's just around your house, and as soon as somebody goes like, oh, and they go to touch it because everybody would, then, then they blow up or whatever it is. Wouldn't that be a great actual booby trap? That'd be, yeah, you could take one of the... Um uh, one of the live dolls or something like oh, that, lean it against the wall, and then just have irresistible. Yeah, and then just have like a chloroform gas or something. Irresistible. Just be like, whoa, what's that? <laughs> I think we're on to something, thud. Trevor. I think we need to market this an immediately. Actu- an actual booby trap. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Anyway, go on. We tangent a lot. Hey, I'm all about tangents. I like that. My favorite thing in the whole world. Is it tangent? Is a conversation that's tangential. Okay, I thought we were going to get into math I'm, there for I'm a second. Very, my favorite thing in the whole world, and across, of all the things I do, is talking with people. Not to talk, but to hear people's stories, and to people watch, and all of that. I love it, love it, love it. So, this is right up my alley. That's, now the tables are turned, Yeah. and we'll see what happens. But, but that's, that's a good definition of an activist because you are listening to people's stories and spreading them and sharing them with other people be they marginalized be they you know uh, other activists prisoners uh, reformed prisoners but uh, uh, priests writers singers artists mm-hmm. storytellers and to be fair i've also interviewed people that i don't align with at all that one could argue don't need their voices amplified but i am curious as to why they are the way they are and then it's not amplification it's just me trying to get to the bottom of things right and and you're not the kind to do softball questions how how did you start this podcast what came up with the idea and you're not afraid of challenge on any of your guests well to be fair Generally speaking, even when I don't align with my guests, every single person that has been on the show has been gracious with their time, energy, and word, which is lovely. Even Mm -hmm. coming into it knowing that I don't align with them. I I tend to go to the the Grand Dragon of the KKK guy, episode 30, as a great example, but to me that... That show is such a touchstone for me because, A, I thought it was very important to have that conversation. B, he was gracious with his time and honest with me. I think that's really something to, to say, hey, thank, thank you for that because you didn't have to be that way. Right. And I acknowledge that. Right. And three, <laughs> this is a very strong drink. <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs> it is for me. <laughs> I mean, you're tiny. It's but. very, very good. Uh, but in three, I learned so much from that experience mm-hmm. about myself and about the world at large, about him, about what to look for, honestly. Oh, not necessarily dog whistles, but... How, how normal he was. 
is oh, okay. normal. That, that was my big argument for the show in general, that episode in general, was that the normalcy of it, of the way he thought. And I, I say this a lot, is we will never get anywhere together as long as we don't shine lights on those places. And as, as long as we make those kinds of folks into nightmares and monsters, mm-hmm. we aren't going to get to the root of why they're that way in the first place. And he, right, and again, you can go back and listen to the episode. It's, it was a very important one for me. But he said, you know, I look for the people that feel disenfranchised. I look for the kids that whose parents aren't paying attention to them. I look for the lonely. I look for the self-loathing. I look for that in, in people. I think it's so important to hear that. Is that a gunshot? No, that was a backfire. Okay. I'll let you know if it's a gunshot. No, we're not. We're We're booby trapped. We're fine. (laughs) I've got two. (laughs) Yes. Um. Whoa. (laughs) Anyway, and and Mm it's the other question. Hey, human came about. No, God, this is going to be one of those shows that just rambles on. No, I'll I'll, I'll drift it back. Apologies from from the onset. So this show started as a result of me responding i mean over emotionally i responded so emotionally to a series of shootings mm-hmm. the pulse shooting san bernardino shooting yep they happened relatively close together yep i lost my mind over it sobbing crying and i had a very i called my dad because what do you do at least what do i do when i'm in that state i call my dad and we chatted i was on my way to the and people have heard this story Probably, maybe some haven't, but I was on my way to the grocery store into the banality of getting dinner mm-hmm. and trying to understand the human condition and what makes people behave the way they do. What, And we, of course, later find out that self-loathing, mm-hmm. at least in the Pulse situation, uh, self-loathing was the motivator. But at the time, I just said, Dad, I don't understand how people can treat each other like this. I, I don't get it. We are lost, and I don't see us finding our way back. And I think that really struck my father because that's not, that's not the optimism maybe he was used to in me. And he said, you have to keep looking for the light. You have to keep looking for the good in people, the old, you know, Mr. Rogers yeah. ideal. Yep. Uh, and... I didn't know how to do that. So I walk into the grocery store and was met with a series of humans from all walks of life who reminded me how beautiful we are and to not give up. And again, I speak of banality. They did nothing ostentatious. It was just the simple, the first man that came toward me said, you know, good evening, sister. And the way he said it my heart broke open hmm. and and then as i you know moved throughout and and just the other people that i interacted with reminded me that really the truth of the matter is we are all just here and that we all we eat we sleep we breathe we love we die and all that stuff in the middle that seems like chaos we can still look at each other and say, I see you, I see you. And all these thoughts were going through my head and I get back in the car and I thought, I want to remind everybody and myself, everything I do is selfish too. Everything I do is to remind myself that 
this is all worth sticking around for. And which is hard to hold on to sometimes. Yes. <laughs> and I got in the car and I said, okay, I'm going to do something and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do a podcast and I'm going to talk to people and I'm going to try my best to be as open and honest and to facilitate honesty back and see what happens and see if I can't remind people that we are all in this together and that our shadow as much as our light make up all of us and that we have to touch all of it in order to survive now that's a lot no no but no but it but it's a lot and that opens a lot of avenues and i want to before i continue i want to ask where can i go in this podcast what questions can i you can ask, ask anything you, you want I'm are an you open sure book. yeah for sure okay i did it once in college <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh, that again that's, that's your other podcast we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll pitch that later um, I'm gonna be rumbling. That's rum rambling. Rum, rum rambling. That's good. Hey, look, I've got I've got mezcal in my tea. Yeah. So, Lord, <laughs> fuck it. Let's go. Let's go. So, you talk about this light in everyone. You have light and shadow. Light and shadow. You have everyone from friends, artists. You know, even the Grand Wizard, Granddad Dragon of the KKK. Holy shit. Yeah, I completely forgot about that until you said it. Do you think everyone is redeemable? It's a great question. Like, where where does, like, for example, Karl Popper's Paradox of Tolerance, When where is your point that you do not tolerate the intolerant? Well, look, nobody wants to see children and animals hurt. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big one, right? Oh. Yeah, there's a... I can edit that out. So. I mean, you don't have to. It's, it's, the, it's the life in the city. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Currently coming to you from East Hollywood, which <laughs> is not exactly, shall we say, a unmonitored area of LAPD. Oh, yeah, no, there's, there's, it's a bit of a police presence. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Oh, yeah, so he, he's Is that a police helicopter we're hearing? I used to get those overhead in Los Feliz a lot. Yeah, uh, Los Feliz. You were you were like a neighbor yeah. uh, for quite a while. They're not necessarily circling. That may just have been a. Uh, Are they looking for you? No. You can be honest. No, no, no Look, one. I'm. No one I'm knows safe I'm here. Harbor, my friend. Nope, nope, nobody knows I'm here. It's all good. <laughs> you don't know where I am. Are people, is everyone, I mean, I've interviewed murderers, and yeah. again, I repeat myself that I, in order to talk to somebody who has taken another person's life in malice, I and not self-defense, I have to say that I have to see that murderer in me, too. Okay. Because I challenge anyone to tell me that they've never once had a moment where, like, oh, fucking kill that person. Whatever it is, somebody cuts, you know what I mean? Even that fleeting moment, that's the shadow showing itself for a second. Some people can't regulate that. Okay. I interviewed the Chuck E. Cheese murderer. Mm -hmm. uh, incredible, Nathan Dunlap, incredible conversation. And we have maintained, for lack of a better word, friendship. 
he's remorseful for what he's done. He's never getting out of prison. Right. He told me he hated to read, so <laughs> I'm an asshole and I send him books all the time. <laughs> I mean, I mean, part of the redemption process, maybe. <laughs> oh, I, I just think there's such beauty and magic in reading, oh, and yes. that it opens people up. And and I, and honestly, I think that's part of the whole book ban craze. Mm-hmm. They don't want people to open up. They don't want people to understand the mystery of themselves that can be discovered through you, the written if, word. If you if you hear rustling, I'm taking notes <laughs> because now things are getting interesting. I have to open my monster manual journal here. You like that journal? Thank I have, you. I have lots of journals that have never been written in. It's a weird collection fetish. Uh, anyway, I don't know about true psychopaths. Mm-hmm. Let's pick Ted Bundy. That's a great example. Jesus. I don't know that Ted yeah. Bundy is a redeemable person Okay. in this lifetime. I believe in reincarnation. I know I'm woo-woo, whatever. I've died twice in this life. That's a literal. I've died literally twice. Mm-hmm. And, and the things I've seen or experienced with that, I don't think this is the only rodeo. That being said... I don't I don't think some people are able to see past their shadow. I don't okay. know what else to call it. And and so and they never will. For whatever reason they hold on to it. Some can't do it because of mental illness. Mm-hmm. Some can't do it because they lack empathy. And in order to be a member of society on this planet, you empathy is a skill to foster. Some people have more, some people have less. Sociopaths make great CEOs. We know this. <laughs> We're experiencing it right now. Yeah. And politicians. Oh, <laughs> Interesting. But, I mean, it's not for me to say either. And not to, it's not religion that I'm referring to here, what I'm about to say. But the redeeming moment in death... I don't know if it's, I see God and God's going to punish you. I think maybe, and I don't know, you know, the truth of it all. But I think maybe the redeeming moment in death is realizing all the pain that you have perpetrated against others and against yourself. That's kind of a karmic outlook. Yeah, in, like going, loosely. Yeah, loosely. I mean, in karma, we are required to have heaped upon us what we have inflicted, right? That's right. The, the karmic debt. Yes. I don't know if it's that. That's it's more like a sentence. And to me, I feel like. And again, I don't know. I'm making it all up, and as to a belief system, but it, it it's something more akin to. When we shuffle off to Buffalo, <laughs> take off the mortal coil, and we are, we kind of get together with our group or our guides or our God or whatever it is, and we say, well, okay, I was a bit of an ass or I was a terrible lunatic or I was a wonderful person or whatever it was I was, and now I want to experience something that's either the antithesis of that or I want to experience what it was that I did from the other perspective. And I don't know, again, it, it, that seems more interesting to me, hmm. the learning curve of it all. You just Like, you, how, how fucked up would it be to think, 
Hitler dies and comes... Now, I know the timeline's wrong. But I'm just right. using these people as an example. Right. Hitler dies. Horrible person. We can yeah. agree. <laughs> I think we can agree. Hi, well, it depends. I'm, I'm Jewish. It depends on who you ask. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But you and I agree. Yeah. Between the two of us, mm-hmm. at least. I don't know about the listeners. Between the two of us, we agree. Hitler, terrible person. Yeah. Not even a good Needed artist. Needed a good hug somewhere along the way. Wouldn't it be so insane if in the next life he was, in fact somebody that was a justice warrior who spoke out for let's just say jewish people everywhere i mean wouldn't that be so fascinating i know most of us would like to think of him as burning in hell if there is a hell or Mm -hmm. you know getting his toenails and testicles ripped apart and whatever but wouldn't it be more interesting if instead he came back and he fought valiantly for that which he was against that raises the question though is there do they have a sentience and a a concept of what they've done before without knowing it are they aware i think that again (laughs) my personal opinion i think once one is incarnated onto this planet they drink the forgetting potion. Some people have vague recollections. There's lots of research into kids remembering things, and then slowly as they get older, they forget. Mm-hmm. But I think not remembering is... Because how, how effective could you be if, if you said, I'm going to fight for justice for anti-Semitism mm-hmm. because I was Hitler... <laughs> You know what I mean? I think that's a lot of baggage. Whereas if you reincarnate and you say, I'm going to fight for justice for anti-Semitism, it's just your soul is learning it, but the human mind that is facilitating the experience doesn't know the difference. They just know they have this huge draw to that. Kind of sci-fi, I guess, but I like it. A little. And that that also brings up the whole activism part. Where do you draw the line or that hypothetical uh, situation of really, really bad person being reincarnated, drinking the forgetting potion, and having a draw toward the opposite of what they were like? Where do you draw the line between selfless acts and selfish ones? The ones like, say, the forgetting potion didn't take, (laughs) and they're like... I need to be a better person so I learn. I'm going to give these people food because it makes me feel good. Well, well that's that let not the right hand know what the left hand is doing. Exactly. That's in the Bible, right? Yep. And I'm not, that's the interesting thing. And I don't begrudge anyone who's doing good in the world if they feel compelled to then turn around and say, look at the good I did. At least they're freaking doing good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Don't stop doing the good stuff. But... Is that altruism? Is that really... That's a, It's a great philosophical question. Mm-hmm. Because it's really serving one's ego if they have to tell everyone about how good they are. That being said, we are ego-based life forms that are desperately <laughs> in our lifetime trying to figure out how not to let the ego be the boss of us, mm-hmm. right? Most of us. Most of us. Yeah. And, I mean... There's also an argument that could be made for if I do this good thing and I tell everyone about this good thing, maybe it's going to inspire four more people to do a good thing. Hmm. There's something to be said for that. But I, I see what you're saying there. I do 
I do think ego can get in the way of goodness, but as long as it's on the side of goodness, you know, like, I'm, I'm okay I mean, with that. Yeah, there's numerous people, YouTube hosts and things like that, that are doing these acts of, it, it seems, altruism, but they're doing it for what seems to be fame. Of it's course. Like, I will help these 100 people. It's like, well, why aren't you using your fame and your huge uh, you know, amount of resources, it seems, that you have to help more than 100? Why don't you fund technology that will help everyone? You look at an Elon Musk, for example. Ugh. Look, I believe that people can do whatever the hell they want with their money. They earned it. It's their money. Mm-hmm. Would I like to see them do things that better humanity of course i would but that's it's not their responsibility and i understand that it's a weird thing to have your ethical empathic mind go up against or heart i guess not even your mind go up against reason of why people do what they do and the ego let's look egos are tricky egos suck lizard brains tricky yeah People are shitty, but they, they're not also shitty. That was, again, I go back to Richard, the KKK dude. <laughs> it was funny. He was entertaining. You know, he was present. It's interesting. I mean, had I been a black person, had he known I was Jewish, it probably would have gone completely differently. And certainly my parents were freaked out that I went to talk to him. Understandably. Yeah, uh, yes. I'm sure, like, some friends were either like, hey, what are you doing? No, for sure. But here's the newsflash. Some of your friends align with the things that that guy thinks. Yeah. Whether they want to admit it or not. Whether it's in the secret places of their heart and mind. Or even publicly. Yeah, but I think a lot of people carry that stuff quietly. And they don't even think of themselves as being uh, racist or xenophobic or anti-Semitic or anti-LGBTQ or whatever it is. But... Is that how they were raised? Is that what they learned? Little kids could give a rip about what somebody looks... There's an age, I think, where it starts to... They start to pay attention. Mm Mm-hmm. Where cruelty steps in. But that's ego. They want to feel better than that guy or that kid or whatever. Are they learning it at home? I mean, potentially, of course Why is there only one kid that looks different in my class? Like, mom, dad, why does does this girl have long hair and I don't? When I was in second grade, there was a, a Asian family. The two little girls were in my class. And it's been so long now. I don't remember where they were from. Uh, not a great grasp of English yet, lovely, and none of the kids wanted to play with them because they were weird. I I play like I've been weird my whole life. I'm like you, nobody else is gonna call me weirder. I'm already weird. <laughs> and and here's something interesting that happened. So I would play with them as best to our abilities between the language group. But you know what? Joy and fun needs no language. Laughter needs no language, and play needs no language. So. Mm-hmm. But then Christmas vacation happened, and everybody went home. Then we came back to school. Again, second grade. Came back to school, and that whole family perished in a car accident. Holy shit. They weren't used to 
driving over, you know, icy bridges in the Pacific Northwest and all that. And yeah, died. Everybody died. And then suddenly everybody was their best friend in the whole world. Death is weird like that, right? Oh, yeah. I'm... Like, I'm, I'm not the one being interviewed here, but I call that a memorial memory where you, as, as, as soon as somebody you know or you respect or you worship, <laughs> like, you know, like idolization, things like that, as soon as they die, there's an immediate, uh, e- even if you didn't really know the person, there's an immediate parasocial connection of oh wow i remember them i remember doing this one thing with them that was great that's how desperately we want to connect as human beings exactly tina turner just passed away oh jesus this episode is gonna come out in july but we are currently in the month of may May. and she just passed away and a legend yes absolute legend beautiful human being inside strong as freaking get out and from what she came from, you know, and the abuse she suffered, and all the and all the all adversity, the yeah, yeah. Oh, and man. let me tell you, the world came out and said, "Oh, not Tina Turner," because some people transcend even their own humanness and do become this. They they enter the pantheon, for lack of a better way to describe it. No, exactly, and Tina Turner's one of them. Um, Robin Williams, I sobbed. Have I met the man? No. When I heard he died, I full-on body-shaking snot coming out my nose sobbed. Oh, yeah, no, I lost my shit. Yeah. No, are we allowed to swear on uh-huh. this? I forget. Okay. Yeah. This is right. human. Yeah, no, I did It's like... <laughs> We have to get it if, out. If anyone's even still listening, listening to my boring ass. Oh no, going, you 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 are not a boring <laughs> ass, not at all. You, th- this is. I tend to, to jabber on though. So but that, this is why I like to listen to other people because if you get me talking, forget about it. Well, the thing is, though, I will keep talking. The the thing is, that's part of the entire concept of this podcast. Listening. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So now we get to listen to you. <laughs> Now I do I w- get my moments in there. Trust me. Oh yeah, no, no, no. you're no. Your do you know what's are... funny though? When I at the uh, when I go to post the show, one of the things I do when I you know I listen to it in real time before it goes up into the the everybody sphere. Right. I just go through really quick and make sure everything's working functionally all the way through the show, just in little moments. And I'm generally pleased that most of the thing I hear back is my guest and not me talking. This one's going to be weird, huh? It's going to be weird. Now, okay, that's that's an interesting thing to tra- uh, transition to. I've, I've been writing a couple things down. You very specifically for a minute were really, really focusing on the joy and fun of things. With children? Yeah, with children, but... Adults can do it, too. Exactly. Adults can do it, too. And as part of the human condition and joy and fun... You do a select number of things that bring joy to people. And I would think you would have fun doing them. Art and music and writing and now filmmaking. Now, 
why do you do these things? Are they are you trying to bring joy into the world? Are you trying to express yourself? Is it ego? I mean, all the stuff, all the things. I think in the beginning of my music career, when I would write a song, I would think, this is for me and me to perform. It's my song. It didn't occur to me that other people could... This is in the beginning, you know. I didn't, it didn't occur to me that other people could perform something that I'd written and take it and make it their own. And that I had little to do with it other than being the conduit for which that song came into the world. Mm-hmm. Anymore, I don't really attach myself to something I create. Now, do I feel good in the moment of creation? Yeah, am I trying to tell a story maybe that I've told, but I'm also a storyteller, so I'm gleaning off of other things or other experiences or overheard conversations or a movie or another song even. Mm-hmm. And as for the painting, that just I don't even know where that comes from. I feel very little responsibility for what comes out with the painting. I, I don't plan it. I sit down and I just start slinging paint around and I think oh that kind of looks like that thing and then and then it becomes whatever it's supposed to be and I'm just there to help bring it through I'm holding its hand to pull it through and then once I've done that I might look at it and say that looks like I'm an abstractist first of all so right so I might look at it and say that looks like you know an elephant smoking a cigar fine to me and then I'll put it up in a show, and it's fun to go around and listen without people knowing that it's me that painted it. It's fun to go around and listen to what other people have to say, because they are bringing all of themselves into the experience. They were communing with that painting or that song or, you know, now that I'm delving into movies, any story... And you can tell a story with all sorts of different mediums. That that's completely all about whatever they're bringing to that moment. I have no control over it. I don't want any control over it. And I'm delighted to hear whatever it is that that their experience brings. I mean, that's why I listen to music, mm-hmm. right? I or watch. I just watched Ted Lasso. It's the second from the last episode. I cried my ass off. I cried because. It was beautifully written. I cried because the acting is wonderful. I cried because all of my trauma that I have from my childhood, from my young adulthood, whatever, was being released because there was a recognition of pain and pain or mm-hmm. laughter and laughter or whatever it was. I mean, I've cried from laughing yeah. and from that connection. but. The people writing that show don't have, they don't even know me. They have no concept of what, I mean, some truths are universal. Some pain yeah. is universal. Yes. But they don't, they don't know I'm sitting on the floor of my living room in my two big pajama pants, crying <laughs> uncontrollably, <laughs> watching this show. They don't know I exist. And yet I'm having a real experience based on everything I'm bringing to the table in that moment. And that's, I mean, that's all we can do as creators is to let the thing come through us, let it exist, and then send it on its way. And and know that even if it only touches down 
into the hands of one person or a thousand per people or a million people or whatever. It's meant for that person, for whatever they're experiencing, for however they take it in. That's freaking cool. And it's beautiful. And it has little to do with me. I was lucky enough to be the conduit. I, I use that word all the time because the... Mm -hmm. uh, there's that, you know, the Hunter S. Thompson saying of, you know, we want to live our lives so we go kicking, you know, we skid in and we're on fire and covered in muck and whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's true. But. Well, like my tattoo says, buy the ticket, take the ride. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the the truth is, if, if we were on our deathbed and, you know, people say this all the time. Nobody's gonna nobody's gonna be on their deathbed being like, oh, I should have paid that bill, or oh, I should have gone to work that day, or oh, whatever, you know, whatever it is. But if in that moment of passing we were to see the ripple, mm -hmm. every single person that we touched, even minutely, whew, man, that's the ride. I say it all the freaking time. It's not Ithaca. It's the journey to Ithaca and all the people you meet along the way and what they're giving you and what you're giving them. But you're not really, you don't even have to try. Do you do I that? I don't know. I'm rambling. No, 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 no. This is, no, this is actually, this is perfect. This is fascinating. That's why I don't get stoned. You wouldn't believe what happens when that happens every once in a while. I'm, uh, damn. I have the weirdest conversations with definitely the people who aren't in the room, but boy, they're fascinating. <laughs> That that'll that'll be maybe the four hundredth episode. Um, Susan oh gets stoked. Can you imagine? I, I I I want that to be yourself interviewing yourself, oh, high as fuck. Oh my lord! That would be great. But be hilarious. You you mentioned being the conduit through. I, think I just talked for twenty minutes on that random ass. Anyway, that's, go on, no I'm no sorry. that that's 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 right. That's the point of this episode. Yeah, okay. The, the, be, everybody. <laughs> Everybody else gets to hear us talk. Okay. This is about you. Yeah. When you were talking about being that conduit, mm -hmm. the difference between art and music, you, are, is your music a conduit as well? Do the lyrics come to you or do you work on them? Do you like... Oh, all the above. I mean, okay. a craft is a craft for sure, but mm -hmm. they do... One of my favorite things to do in songwriting is to sit with the other person. I like to write together. That's yes. my favorite. I'm a lyricist, a melody writer. I'm, I can play guitar. I can play piano. Nobody, Nobody's going to pay me to do it. You know what I mean? If I had to do a show, I could cover myself. But it's not like anyone's banging down my door to say, please be my piano player, guitar player. That being said, yet, yet. I love words and I love the way they fit together. And one of my favorite things in songwriting is when I have a writing partner. It tends to be an artist. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about whatever's going on in their life or my life and and we'll craft something around that feeling or that excuse me that experience but again it doesn't have to be of me it, it's hard it's so hard to explain well no, a good example i think that immediately comes to mind is i won't fuck you if you don't vote <laughs> That was a fun one. That but happened in 10 minutes. It happened in 10 minutes. I was sitting, I, my friend Sammy and I, we were having Thai food. It was during the pandemic. We were drinking sake and eating Thai food. We were talking about the mess that is politics and everything. We were talking about dating and Sammy's gay. And he was like, yeah, you know, it's hard to find dates where the people care about anything. And I'm, you know, I don't know what I am, but 
and I said, yeah, for sure, I've broken up with someone before uh, because of their absolute ignorance and refusal to vote, which I couldn't, I was like, I just can't abide by that. It's so important. I'm a full belief, you get to do whatever you want in your life, but I also get to make choices for my life. And it's important for me that, you know, that I stand up for things and I don't know that I can be romantically involved with somebody that doesn't stand up for things. It just doesn't align with me. Activists. They're, they're, <laughs> it's fine. But uh, they're able to do whatever they want. Anyway, that being said, you know, I was a little tipsy. And I said, you know, I can't fuck you if you don't vote. Like, that's kind of a, <laughs> that's kind of a stopgap there. You know, and he said, what did you say? I said, yeah, I mean, like... If I'm with a partner, like, if they don't vote, I just, I can't be, how can you be sexually turned on by somebody that doesn't care enough to vote? And he said, we had to write that. And so... Who we, got on the piano first? He's a great piano player. I remember moving that piano. Yes. <laughs> piano is very heavy. So he sat down at the piano, and a lot of those lines, he, he contributed, of course, as, as, as I contributed, but, I mean... My pussy is a patriot. That mm-hmm. was <laughs> now. We, we, it was so much fun to we, do. We do have an important election coming up. We do. So and there, it's out there. There's yeah. a YouTube video yep. for it. Please, it's I a great video. <laughs> Here's the thing: we filmed that video during the pandemic lockdown. Yep. I yep. had not had a haircut, and I can't even tell you how long. I <laughs> I look back at that, and I'm, I think. Wow, I am a mess. And we did squirt guns. We had the penis guns, mm-hmm. and we squirted with each other. And it's it's a total shit show, but it's fun and it has a good message. So well, yeah, no, I I absolutely I enjoy that. But see that I think that goes to what you were saying as a conduit. There was something important going on. There mm-hmm. was something to be said, mm-hmm. and then that came to you. When it comes to painting, as a caveat. Um, just to very briefly, why I'm really fascinated in this part. My mother had a master's degree in art cool. and art history, specifically on the pre-pop art oh. abstract expressionism. Interesting. I don't know anything about art, really. So I- When you said you're a conduit and the painting just does itself, mm-hmm. I was immediately reminded of the concept of auto-painting that Jackson Pollock did. He understood how the paint would move and flow and just let it come to him. I just talked about this on a, on another episode, which when this comes out, it'll be a month earlier, two months earlier, but I never got into Jackson Pollock. And then I saw his work in a museum and I was up close on it and all the brush strokes and the cigarette butts and the bottle caps and all this stuff and looking at that, and being transported into the moment where he was making that piece or those pieces and being absolutely enthralled. Mm-hmm. And I got it. In that moment, I got it. Art is funny like that. You can look at something and think, eh, a four-year-old could do that. And maybe so. Maybe so. But everything is so subjective. Yes. Okay, yeah. that's the horn believing in what I just said. Exactly. It's like somebody was celebrating. Yeah. It's like it's so subjective. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, they, they could have been doing art right now. I don't get art sometimes, but sometimes I really get it. Sometimes you have to look at a thing and you go, oh, 
that's a like a Rothko, for example. You oh, think, and yes, again, please. I don't know a lot about art. I didn't study it. I started painting on a whim. It was just a happenstance moment. And but like a Rothko, you think, oh, that's a it's a big dot inside of a square. I don't get it, you know. And yeah, sure, that's hard to get. But then you look at it in history. Yeah. In the history of it, that blew people away because mm-hmm. it was so it wasn't done. Van Gogh, who nobody gave a shit about, and now you know right. his paintings right. are ten, twenty, thirty million dollars. But that lovely Doctor Who moment, where he's being I brought. I don't in. watch <gasps> Doctor Who. Oh, I'm gonna show it to you. It's okay. so I cry every time I see it. Art is funny that way, and I don't understand all the art. I would never pretend to, and I, if I don't like something, I don't like it, and I'm okay with that. I'm not trying to impress anyone by knowing all about a thing. I just I find that in its own way quite boring you get to not like stuff if you don't want to like it yeah i mean not liking things are fun is fine i mean it's fine it's somebody somebody once um brought a great uh a great analogy to that of there are people in the world that say things like i like pancakes and somebody else going oh that's cool i like waffles and then they fight to the death. Well, but the, no, those are the other people that are like, I like pancakes, so that means you don't like waffles, you heretic. It's like, whoa, wait. Yeah. And that that's mm. like... That's tribalism. Though. That's tribalism. But pulling all of this together, you like pancakes, you look for the people that like waffles because... Maybe you want to know why. Are you talking about the royal you or me, Susan? You, Susan. Yeah, that's very true. I want to know all about the waffle eaters if I like pancakes. Right. And you may write a song about that. You may work that into your art. You could possibly put that into film. That's what is so fucking fascinating about you, at least to me. (laughs) No, for real. You have to get out more. What? What are, you, what are you talking about? Oh, I don't know. I'm just no. being self-deprecating because it's the... I, no, I get it. I, I get just it. feel... I don't know. The, the world is a curious, magical, beautiful, weird place. And there's people doing things way more interesting than I... Neil. Neil. His mind is so crazy. Which, which Neil? Neil Gaiman. I need to call him. I finally watched Sandman. I have the... the comic but i finally watched it right on and we kept you know texting each other mm-hmm. as i'm watching it i'm like holy shit i knew the last two episodes calliope and, and dream of a thousand cats would hit you well that one in the wings one. Oh, it's sound of her wings of course oh, i cried but calliope as an artist and yeah. someone that looks for that muse in life it was really fascinating to watch that and think about you know, my mother's an archaeologist. Yes. Right? And a Greek historian. Yes. And so the idea of the muses, a muse being trapped by this guy and and obviously the ramifications of what that all meant. Yeah. Much darker in the comic. Holy shit. I, it was funny. As I'm watching the show, I, just to the heavens, I kept saying, thank you. Thank you for everything you've gifted me. I appreciate it. And do the muses exist? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Who knows? But it sure feels real. Because in those moments where the idea comes into your head, 
I don't know about everybody else, but I certainly don't feel like I have any ownership of it at all. I feel like I was just lucky enough to show up and to prove my point with that, <laughs> if I were to make one. No, is, make your point. Let's that, go. Look at, let's use Hollywood, for example. Three movies come out within two months of each other. First of all, movies take a long time to make. So mm -hmm. the fact that two or three movies come out at the same time, within months of each other that have the same story the same idea the same whatever armageddon deep impact yeah that's a great example sure. volcano dante's peak sure yeah that the, the ideas are floating by us and we are pulling them down some people are masters at sculpting the idea once it comes to be mm -hmm. for example our not my friend, your friend. No, no. It's, yeah. <laughs> my friend only in my mind, but because I think he's so interesting. But there are people that masterfully take those moments, the calliope mm -hmm. kiss, and turn it into such greatness, such beauty. I, I aspire to that, certainly. Do you, 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 you aspire to that? You don't think you have that in what you do? I think we all have moments where we touch that. And I feel that perhaps I can hear the whispers stronger than some other folks sometimes. But I don't know that what I do is, I don't, it's, hard, it's so hard to explain. It's not mine, none of it is mine. It doesn't, you know. That's I, what I was looking for. Yeah, none right. of it belongs yeah. to me. That's what I was looking for, because go flashing back to the concept of ego and selflessness and selfishness, what you're doing is an altruistic act because you are channeling those whispers and you're creating things that other people can make their own, like your music, they can cover it and make their own. Like your art, you see one thing, they see another, and you're fine with that. You're not the person going, no. There's a reason why that line is bisecting this vertical painting, you know, Rothko, light red on black, you know, that kind of thing. And with your filmmaking, you're telling a story and some people will connect with it and see I was there or they're empathic toward that. I wrote the short film that I'm working on right now, yep. that I'm editing right now. I wrote it so quickly. It's, I've had the idea of it since I was a little girl. And... But when I actually finally sat down to write it, it came out pretty fast. And it's funny because I sent it around to a handful of people just to get notes. Say, mm -hmm. hey, will you read this? I'd love to hear it. People who are in the industry, quote unquote, that I thought would give me good advice. And what was fascinating is, for the most part, people were like, whoa. Was that the one I read? I think so. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the first it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And people were like, whoa, this is, you know, and that was great. But there were a couple people who read it and they just didn't get it. Now, I had two ways to look at that. Mm -hmm. I could be like, oh, my God, I'm a hack. <laughs> this is terrible. I'm never going to write another thing ever because these two people didn't get it. Or I could say that story isn't for them. And the fact that they didn't get it is totally fine. They, it's not their fault. It's not. It's not. It's yeah, nothing. It's just. Exactly. It doesn't. It's not their story, and it's okay. Are they still my friends? Absolutely, one thousand percent. 
it it doesn't even it it means nothing. Not in a shitty way. It means nothing in that they're entitled to have their experience as much as the few people that dug it had were entitled to their experience. And it it will stop you and devastate you and throw you in the grave if what other people think of you or your work (laughs) uh, matter that much. And I have had experiences where it did matter when I was younger. And one of the most brutal and excruciating and beautiful and redemptive moments of my life. I can't remember if I've talked about this before on the show. We can get to now. Well, I had a performance. It was at the Johnny Cash. And apologies to those who have heard this before. Johnny I, Cash. I haven't. So <laughs> Johnny Cash Museum in Nashville. I had a show. I got asked to perform, and in Nashville, what's called a round happens most of the time. You go, and you and three or four other people all on stage together. One by one, you go through your song, you perform it. The next person goes, it's ex- you know, it's fun. Everybody plays along with each other, sings harmonies, whatever. It's it's comfort. I grew up in doing the band thing, and going to Nashville, you know, you suddenly don't have a band to hide you, and you don't. <laughs> yeah, and you're playing your an instrument, which again, as I mentioned earlier. I mean, I can carry a tune, but nobody's hiring me to be their session player. And so I arrived to the Johnny Cash Museum, and I am quick. I quickly learned that it is not set up for in the round. We individually are going up to perform. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mean like Johnny Cash, a man in his guitar yeah. when he in the yeah. moment he didn't have his backup band. It was wow. It was not great. So that's a terrifying I, moment. I was so nervous, so nervous. I had not yet felt that I was at a place with my guitar playing where people wouldn't throw vegetables at me. Or fruit, or fruit, as we know, tomato. It's fruit, everybody. Yes. Don't yes, add it is. me. No, it is absolutely a fruit. I'm a scientist. It's a fruit. Yes. Yeah, so, anyway, I I get up and I start to play a song, and in my brain pan, all I can think of is how terrible I'm doing. Like God, I was just eating myself alive. Just eating myself alive get through the song and it was a song i wrote for reba mm-hmm. or i didn't for her she she put it on a record yeah it's a misnomer to say that i wrote it for her i wrote the song with my friends and she, she liked it, it and put it on her yeah. record yeah so i get off the stage i'm so upset with myself i'm so mad at myself i'm mad why didn't you practice more why are you not better on your instrument i mean the worst things that a person could say to themselves i was doing it and I sat in the very itty bitty corner of the room, convinced that everyone hated me and thought I was a failure and a fraud. <laughs> and uh, I had a like a, a drink. I don't remember. It must have been a wine cooler or something. I know that sounds very 1986. Wow. But, yeah. But it was something that wasn't a beer because I can't drink beer because my allergy. Right. But yeah. uh, and I drank it really quickly. <laughs> try and ease the momentary pain i'm not even a drinker really but for whatever you know it's like oh god i gotta get rid of this pain and then i sat it down and in the johnny cash in the johnny cash museum everything has johnny 
Cash's face on it. Yeah. With the sticker or whatever. Yeah. And there was a to-go bag or something next to me. And it had Johnny Cash's face on it. And I shit you not. <laughs> I turned and looked at this bag hiding in the back of the, <laughs> the, the, the venue. And Johnny Cash came alive, Harry Potter style, and looked at me and said, Why are you being such a pussy? No lie. That happened. Whoa. And I looked Whoa. back at him and I said, You're right, Johnny Cash. I am being a pussy. And then my name was called because I had to do it three times. Mm-hmm. I get back up and I do another song or whatever. And you rip the fuck out of it. But here's... Well, probably not. But here's huh? the, the... First of all, that was a crazy moment. Well, yeah. <laughs> but no, knowing you, you have these moments. Yes. I'm glossing by it. But so I go home at the end. And my friend has posted a video on these social medias oh, of me doing that shit. first song. Okay. This is my reaction. I start watching me and I'm pan- sweat, panicking, knowing I did the worst thing in the whole, I was so bad, it was awful. And I start watching, I immediately turn it off and I, I start crafting a text. Mm-hmm. Please, for the love of God, put take, this on private. Take it take, down. Take Make it, it go down. away. I was so horrified. I was. I was crying. I mean, oh. I don't know. It was a way over the top response mm-hmm. to the situation. It was calling up the demons of every moment anyone told me I was worthless, and, and you know all of that. It was all coming up in that moment, and. I'm writing this text. I haven't sent it yet, but or maybe it was an email, whatever. And I was gonna send it to her, and then I went back to just to like prove my point. I'm gonna watch it again, and I start, and I can only get through the first few seconds mm-hmm. before panic. But this time I watched six seconds. And I'm like, oh god, oh god, and I'm keep writing on the thing, and then I go back again, as if to torture myself. But this time, oh. but this time, I actually listened to it. Because the other couple times I was so in my shit mm-hmm. that I couldn't, I wasn't, I wasn't hearing it for you real. You weren't being, you were being objective, not subjective. You were being your own worst critic. Oh, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. So then I went back and I watched it again. And this time I'm like, I was watching. I thought, oh, wait, I mean, I'm singing in tune. I'm, I'm playing in the, oh, no, 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 no. you know, and then yep. it took about four or five times of going. And finally I got all the way through it and and I had this epiphany, this beautiful, albeit painful, walking through the fire moment of release. And I realized it was fine. And all those lies that any shitty person or my mom or whatever has ever told me, they were the ones talking to me when I had mm-hmm. gotten up there. And then Johnny Cash in his weird hallucinatory <laughs> acid flashback moment saying just go do it who the fuck cares what anybody else thinks why are you being such a pussy that when i was back in my room and trying to write this email and boy the release i sobbed the best kind of crying and then my email to her changed and i said thank you thank you for posting this because and i explained everything i had experienced and i said this has changed my life. It's something so little, but it changed my life. And that 
I have never been so shitty. I mean, I'm still, every once in a while, I can be kind of shitty to myself. Mm -hmm. But not like that. Never like that. It was so cathartic and hellish. What an experience. Is that why you're more prone to sharing yourself now? How do you mean? You're, like, with your words, with your painting... And now with your other podcast that you're doing. <laughs> the sex show? Yeah, the sex with show. Mara. You know, no. Or have I, you just always been an open book? I think I've always been an open book. But I had a, excuse me, an open book. It is the room. I've always, had an, I've always been an open book, but I've always, I don't know what it was about that moment. It just, it focused me so hard on myself mm -hmm. and I hated it hated it but in that i was able to release it it was that phoenix thing mm -hmm. you know uh except you burned yourself down yeah and yeah. then rebuilt you from your own ashes yeah see but not. i didn't even look at it as as it was a gift from from my friend kathy who had done that like she was the one that gifted me that experience again yeah, it, it was sort yeah. of outside of me the I would say the impetus was, but the reaction was all yours. Yeah, and the rebuilding was way all yours. over the top reaction. <laughs> well, I, I I don't agree with that because when it's a positive thing, I don't believe in over the top reactions. If it's a learning experience, I don't believe in over the top reactions. If it's a negative experience and someone just goes, you know, yeah, of course, over the top. But no, if it's if it's a learning experience. No, you, you cry, you laugh, you squeal. you mm -hmm. It's just one of those things. I would never call that. Personally, I would never call that an over-the-top reaction. And, yeah, that's just, that's an amazing and honestly enlightening story to hear. On the other side of it, what other people think about you is none of your business. Right, right. It's a good lesson to learn. Do you Google yourself? Not really. No. If if I do, it's only to make sure that a human podcast is somehow uh, still showing up amongst the uh, hey human facial cleanser that Jada Pinkett Smith does. <laughs> oh shit! Really? <laughs> she does. She she launched a a uh, a line of soaps and shampoos and things, but in called a hey human, oh, and whoops. she's humongous. Yeah. Star, of course. So who, who did who's first, though? Oh, you? mine. Long, well, long time then, ago. I mean. Yeah, but I mean, you know how algorithms work. So yeah. it's just, just every once in a while, I just want to make sure it's still showing up so that if, if it's not, I actually don't know anything about those sorts of things as to what I would do in order to, to make sure it was still showing up. But it's yeah. fine. Everything I, I, is fine. I don't even know how this shit works. How long have we been going? An Oop. hour. And oh, for oh. God's sakes. That's not bad. The sex show that you want to ask about. Well, I, I kind of yeah. did because I'm fascinated at that. Um, fascinated by? by No, just by the, the concept of itself. I, I think it's fascinating that in I'm intimate with, uh, with another person. To watch, and I watch that show all the time. One, because you're on it. Two, Thanks. it's fascinating to hear about it what like that that is super open like you cover all the bases like i will say mara 
who is a sexologist and mm-hmm. healthcare practitioner, that is my friend that we do the show together. The show is called Are We There Yet? Podcast Show. Mm-hmm. And Mara is very open and talks about anything that I bring up. In order to maintain the vulnerability, the sanctity of a relationship, it needs to be between the two people or three people or whatever it is you're into, but right. just it needs to be in the realm of the relationship. And so when I reference experiences that I've had, it's always, nobody knows whether it's present or past. Right. They never use, you know, whatever. She doesn't use names either. Right. Like said. But she's very much more vocal and that will never happen with me because I want to make sure that whomever I am with feels safe and secure that what happens with us stays with us that's a good way to put it that's but it is a very open show and i think it's important sex ed is important fascinating you know what the faces i make when she pulls out some of her sex toys holy shit yeah that that's that's that is some funny that is funny interest i just know because i've heard a lot of episodes i just noticed that that like it just rang like listening to the words you say you just say like oh i had this experience with someone I've always had this past experience tense. yeah always. always past tense and how you were how you were feeling and all that and that that is the key thing on that podcast show it's not really a podcast it's a video. the podcast show yeah um <laughs> i don't know why the 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 vidcast <laughs> it's a video thing. show yeah you talk about feelings a lot. You were incredibly open about your fe- feelings. It's one of the things that has always I've always been enamored with uh, with you. Like because we met in a fucking pinball museum playing pinball. That was fun. And immediately we get into the topic of feelings. That's just how we went. And that immediately I was like, whoa, okay, this is cool. Every time. I listen to the podcast show or the occasional times we get to talk or anything like that. You are very open with your feelings. Why? Humans are naturally against that. Humans are closed off. They don't like to show their feelings. Many people don't like crying in public. There's the entire concept of being the, you know, the old, you know, the 19 bullshit 50s concept of a man is a man and a woman is a woman and they do not fight. And, you know, it's like a happy, a happy home is, you know, all that, that toxic positivity. But you were just like straight open, like you were saying. When you feel, you feel. When you were crying, you're crying. You saw at commercials and, you know, things like that. What makes you feel? And why do you just open? Because feelings are scary. <laughs> yeah, of course they are. And they're personal. Vulnerability is terrifying, of course. Yes. Uh, and... You make yourself very I, vulnerable on yeah, that but podcast here's the, show. Yeah, here's the conundrum of that. I say I'm an introverted extrovert, or an extroverted introvert. I don't know which way it goes. I'm introverted. I like to be alone a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love strangers. I can talk to strangers. But as soon as I, quote unquote, catch the feelings or feel... You close up. I, I get walled off. Now, I don't get walled off in that you don't get to talk to me anymore, I'm still going to be completely honest and open with you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But my the soul of me might go for 
smoke break or something, you know, mm-hmm. shot in the back room. Uh, I don't smoke, <laughs> but you get the, the idea. It's a good question. I believe that truth is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Which is such a dumb thing to say, probably, but... No, no, that's not a dumb thing at all. Truth with a capital T. I think vulnerability is so sacred. And the thing about it is, you earn my trust. A person earns my trust. Mm -hmm. I will... (laughs) Joe gets the 20-80 rule. I will... 20% of me is is giving you the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. And... I'm open to whatever the experience is, but that doesn't mean I'm going to just give you the keys to the kingdom. You, right. You earn that. You earn that through communion and conversation. And I don't mean earn it like in a shitty way. Right. I mean it like we we human beings deserve for people to take their time to, to get to know us. Yes. We deserve to look at ourselves that we're worthwhile enough that if we are on Mount Olympus, there's a handful of stairs to get up there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's uh, if we are all. How do I want to put this? I'm not a prude. I have no problem having sex with somebody I don't love to have an experience. If I want to have that experience, that's not an issue for me. But I think sex, love, intimacy, all those things. You can have sex and not be intimate with somebody. And you can never have sex with somebody and have the most intimate relationship. And I think that that's lost on folks. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just not lost on me. That's that. And that's that's interesting. We're actually diametrically opposed on that. I always forget the term. But it's I, like ace or a room, I whatever. I have to have a very deep and meaningful relationship and emotional connection with somebody to even consider being intimate with them. I've never had a one night stand. I did once. I hated it. I really yeah, I mean, it's it's it, like the concept of it. Like to me, is just like yikes. Yeah, I was young, and not that, and, and again, I have no issue with anybody having them. No, no, me, no neither. Problem me neither. Whatsoever, but for me, it my my brain, my brain want, seeks the other brain. It wants to chew on it. It wants to grok. It wants to like take it all in. Fucking zombie. It wants. I am. I'm a zombie. Absolutely. I love brains, and funny and smart. I mean, you could be the troll under the bridge. I will answer those riddles and then you and I will have a nice dinner and we'll get to know each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, to me, it's, the sex part is easy. I mean, tab, excuse me, yeah. Pe- peg A into slot B yeah, exactly. and or Slots C and, and or, whatever. or D. And yeah. whatever floats anyone's boats. And per, I think that's amazingly healthy. Maybe it's just the way I am. I don't. I don't know. Here's the thing: it's very difficult to compare and contrast any of that stuff. Everybody, again, entitled to their own way of being. It's. It's. Oh yeah. No, I'm just talking about yeah, between yeah, yeah. us for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I I have had sex with people that I love, but am not in love with. I have been in love with people that have absolutely 
destroyed me. Uh, and yeah. yeah, and I think the older I get, my capacity for love has blossomed so much in that I don't look I, I for me personally I, all I can speak is for me personally so mm-hmm. for me personally if I someday meet somebody funny smart funny especially uh, that likes to talk about things whether it's banal or deep that keeps me and allows me to keep them sacred and all the things that that means. In order to truly be with someone, in my opinion, there is a level of vulnerability that has to happen. The most terrifying thing for any human to face is their vulnerability, their capacity to achieve that. And most people destroy that. You gift your vulnerability to someone, you tell them your triggers or how you've been hurt or what you love or whatever. And a lot of people will use that against you, (laughs) right? And that's that's just the way humans operate because they're they're self-serving at best and they like to have a leg up or whatever. But in in my mind's eye, there is a brigadoon, there is a nirvana, there is a place secret and squirreled away that will show itself to me and in that realm there is somebody that when I say a secret or when I am as naked as you know whatever naked in all the ways that you can be naked literally stripped bare yeah that they are so honored by that and and vice versa that they Know that I will honor them and that. I have had relationships where you've said something to someone and you think it's within the, the realm of just each other and then they flippantly say it at a dinner party or something and oh. they laugh about it because they think it's a, it's a casual cruelty, I call it. A yes. casual cruelty is devastating. And how many casual cruelties will you know cut away at you until finally you're like I have lost so much blood here and I cannot go on I am dragging myself oh that is a and I'd rather be by myself yeah that that's something that (laughs) I'm personally not going to comment on until you decide to have me back on the show because holy fuck the last like three or four things you've said I'm sitting across from you and I'm both like smiling like, God, that would be nice. And then you say something. I'm like, oh, fuck. That was like last one, two. And oh, my God. (laughs) I can intellectualize it. I know that every single person on this planet treats other people based on how they feel about themselves. We like to think that you and I, like that when we're operating within the realm of going out meetings or whatever, that they're like, oh, I am meeting this person. I am going to, you know, experience this person based on what this person is. I call bullshit. Right. All we do is bring ourselves to the table. 100%. And the truth of the matter is no other person on this planet is ever going to really know you either. Y'all just, everybody does the best we we can, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I'm rambling again. So no, but no, night. but no, but it's this, gone into tangent but, city. But but no, no, tangent it's, city. It's, come on down. 
Tangent City. We got toasters. We got non sequiturs. (laughs) If you buy 10 tangents, we'll give you the 11th for just one penny. Um, This is actually very, very linear. You think you're rambling, but you're making these incredibly cognizant and and honestly very it doesn't sound like it to you but very succinct points i appreciate that for a very brief moment you focused on reading reading is a very fundamental yes it is a very deep and intrinsic joy of mine and it is fundamental what do you feel when you're reading do you get into the book to Mm -hmm. the point where you are projecting yourself onto the characters? Are you in imagining the setting? Or are you the you know omniscient third narrative, that, that mystical hmm. second perspective? Because there's first person, there's third person. Second person is this weird nebulous idea that you're reading something while experiencing something. It's a great question. I think when I read that I am experiencing it as if I were there, but not interrupting the people. <clears throat> so a specter, perhaps, in the room. They can't see me. I can see them. Mm-hmm. I have certainly have had book friends, and I have wanted to live within the world that I'm reading I was lucky. I grew up in a house where reading was incredibly important. I'm, my great aunt, the children's book author. Yep. She and I would write these beautifully long letters to each other before she died. Just so wonderful. Aunt Quail Hawkins. Family friends, Vonda McIntyre, Ursula Le Guin, Beverly Cleary, Frank Herbert. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Heinlein, uh, my grandfather's roommate in college. I, I just want to inter, uh, interject. Have you seen the new Dune? I've seen the first one, not the second one. I'm only, the no, second, second one one's out. not not out yet. Look, I was so excited on that. First of all, Dune is one of my favorite books of all time. Same. All time. All, all of them or the first one? The, the first one. Because shit gets weird yeah, it gets deeper weird. in. But the first one. Favorite books of all time. Yes. And that was before I really even grasped the understanding that there was a, a family connection. My, my brother, Jeremy, broke um, Frank Herbert's Hugo. Whoopsie. He dropped it. Anyway. I'm, this, this is an entire story that we're... <laughs> it's like we're, a whole crazy yeah, No, thing. no, I'm... My mother's side of the family, very literary, very... They're, they're very interesting. I sent you that, that thing. That, yeah, that, I know. And yeah. I, I looked through it and I was fucking stunned. But yeah, now you're talking crazy. about Frank Herbert's Hugo. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't alive yet. You know, I was... Still, still. On, but still. it's pretty cool. So anyway, yeah. uh, books, very important. I was dragged along as a little kid to all these literary events and things and a, a deep understanding that storytelling was important and that one's own personal story was important. Shout out to The Alchemist. And mm-hmm. I love that book. I reread it every year. love that book. But I feel very lucky in that my parents who are educators, that they were super weird. <laughs> and, and I always joke that my family is a, a family of colleagues oh, passing each other and cool. by the water cooler and saying, oh, did you read that book earlier? Or did you see that show? Or did you, what do you think of this? Or that geopolitical, whatever. It wasn't 
it wasn't family gooey gooeyness. It was that kind of stuff, which, you know, I probably would have benefited from some gooey gooey. But mm. that being said, they were so into things that were weird and off the beaten path and science fiction and fantasy and what a beautiful way to be raised up because if I said I'm into dragons no one's saying dragons aren't real you know half my family would be like oh yeah dragons are cool read these 50 books about dragons here's the dragon riders of Pern series <laughs> yeah, I mean, by Anne just, McCaffrey everybody everybody was so everybody in my immediate family was all about storytelling it's a great way to grow up yes beside the foibles of horrible parenting well that, i mean there's that okay so like but that just makes you a yeah, more I mean, interesting person yeah, and, right? and th- this is going to be one of these horrible fucking hard hard to answer just huh. like kind of kind of one of those shitty first date questions let's do it you're at a dinner there is a there's setting for four it is you and three authors living or dead Yes, I'm reducing it to three. Uh, Not this you and five others or shit. No, three. Richard Feynman. Damn. That's the first one. Damn. Uh, That's a pick. Oh, love him. Freaking love him. Uh, Living or dead? Living or dead. No, go for it. If you say the Marquis de Sade. No, no. That's not what I was going to say. Um, Dorothy Parker. Ooh. And, oh gosh, this is a tough one. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's it's like, oh, top five movies. Yeah. but No, then it's, it's an impossible question. It would rotate all the time depending on moods. Um, somebody alive who's a writer. I mean, I would go. Are you at this dinner too? No. Okay. But you, but you can, you can, you. I would pass on the invitation to Neil. I know that's where you're going. I, I would, yes, I would love <laughs> just because I want to interview him desperately. I think he's a brilliant human being, but he's also fucking weird as hell and quirky oh. and awkward, <laughs> and his hair is insane. And I just love all those things because I just There's think a story about his hair. I'm sure there yeah. is. Like Tolkien would be a great conversation i think although no you know what i pick c.s lewis whoa i pick okay, c.s lewis okay i read this when i read the screw tape letters that's that's um, fascinating i did, never met the man of course it, i don't yeah. feel like he would shove anything down anyone's throat i think it would be this sort of beautiful philosophical conversation i could see that yeah so i pick i pick that so who did that, i pick now no, uh, i've already forgotten it was uh richard feynman uh, dorothy parker and yeah. and c.s lewis a, can you imagine that richard dinner? feynman and c.s lewis at what the a, same <gasps> table what a dinner Woo. god that would be like having l ron hubbard and harlan ellison <laughs> Who actually knew there? That's a whole thing. We'll L. Ron Hubbard would be a fascinating interview. I did finally interview a Scientologist. I was so excited. Just because I'm fascinated. Have you been that. getting the mail and no, all that? Like, know. please come nobody's, to the Celebrity Center. Been okay. Weird. No. Oh, lucky. No. It was a. It was really interesting. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> I think we're pushing what an hour and a half now. I guess. Is there anything you desperately want to? I I feel bad. Are we boring everyone? No, no. I I think it's fucking fascinating personally. But I do have a series of questions. Great. Let's, let's hear it. Now, I, I've never had a chance to answer these personally. 
because strangely enough, not a lot of people are familiar with the source of these. James Lipton did a show called Inside the Actor's Studio. Fabulous show. Fabulous show. And he always asked each and every person the same 10 questions at the end and would get a whole bunch of different answers. I have desperately wanted people to ask me this, and now I get to ask you these. Okay. And I'm, I'm totally stealing from James Lipton, Let's and I admit it. it. If if my fucking... Rest his soul. If, yeah. I mean, no, we've we've lost something major to because him. of that. None like him. Damn few, and they're all did. Yeah, he did, unfortunately. Died. He died in, like, 93. Two or three years ago okay. in May, weirdly enough, when we're recording this. Strange how things happen. So, the ten questions that were asked, starting with... General. What, <laughs> what is your favorite word? Orange. No, I'm kidding. I thought it was going to be color. Uh, my favorite <laughs> Wait, word. Wait, suddenly that's a Monty Python yeah. student. It's like, what is your favorite color? What Blue. is your no, favorite color? Yeah. What is the flight velocity? Uh, my favorite word? Mm-hmm. You know what? I love saying the word arugula. Arugula? I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's fun to say. Arugula. That I mean, that works. It's a great word. That absolutely works. It's pretty tasty, too. You know, arugula is. What is your least favorite word? My least favorite word. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I have a least favorite word. Oh, that's interesting. I like some people hate the word, and I'm apologize. Yeah, I was gonna say I apologize. She yeah. said it first. Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> that was what you were. Yeah, saying. yeah, exactly. Doesn't bother yeah. me. Yeah. I don't have a least favorite word. All words are equal and valid. I mean, I don't know about that, but I just I don't think of I don't put words on that kind of a wheat. Do you have a least favorite word? I'm not the one being interviewed. I know, but darn it. Nope, I'm not the one being okay. interviewed. I do, but I'm not the one being interviewed. No, I'm curious. Uh, what turns you on? Brains. Zombie. <laughs> what yeah, I mean, I'm not talking... You don't have to be a IQ of 4 billion or something. I just... I want... I, I, I think funny is so great. And you yeah. can't be funny unless you're smart. And I just find it... I think you have to be able to see like patterns and. I, I I think you could be temporarily funny if you're not smart. There are plenty of okay, sure, but I intelligent consist- comedians, but consistently, yeah. yeah, consistency is a hobgoblin of small minds. Anyway, so smart that smart that leads to funny. I like and brains smart and, and I like to laugh. I just I want to. I don't. It's fun to be in a room with people smarter than me. I love it. Right on. I like that. Uh, what turns you off? Mm. I don't like bigotry. Ooh. Yeah, that's... And I'm a huge fan of the underdog. So any anyone that is not good to the underdog, don't like that much. A lot of people are like, root for the underdog, but you're actually like, you believe in the underdog. I do. I'm an underdog. Yeah. Thankfully, you're not a hockey fan. 
<laughs> I like watching hockey. I just yeah, don't care who yeah, wins. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fucking no Maple Leafs. It's okay. What sound or noise do you love? Sprung is a pretty good sprung. Do you know what's really fun is to take weird, like, to, to take foods and smush them on a table. You just drop them, go, they all make really different noises. Chocolate pudding, totally different noise than a raw piece of meat. That's fascinating. That's that's really cool. Or splash, or boink, or, you know, I just, onomatopoeia words are fun. I was just going to say that. <laughs> so, interesting. So, then, what sound or noise do you hate? Oh, you know what I don't like is that uh, the squeaky sound of uh, styrofoam. That that weird... Oh, like packing peanuts mm-hmm. when they go together? Or that noise that really hot glasses when you're unloading the dishwasher, that when they touch... And they, they squeak? just sort of squeak all... Oh, uh, don't like that sound. Okay, yeah. What is your favorite <laughs> curse word? I say fuck. I love them all, but fuck is probably a fun one. I don't know. I, I cunt. I love cunt, too. I, I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> I had to say that. Apologies. I'm, I'm, apologies <laughs> for anyone that does not. It's such a fun uh, word. It, it really is. It, it really, truly is. Uh, what profession, uh, other than your own, or in this case, other than all of yours, <laughs> would you like to attempt? Neuroscientist. I love neuroscience. Fascinating. The brain. Whew. There's some stuff. What profession would you not like to do? Worst one you can think of for you. For me? Yeah. <laughs> The taster in a loaf of bread co- uh, company. Because <laughs> I'm celiac. <laughs> that, that's, that's, <clears throat> okay. I believe they call them bakeries, Susan. Yes. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, you've I'd be so itchy. Uh, and then the, the final one, which is huh? interesting because we've kind of covered it before. Um, if heaven exists... What would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Nice to see you again. Interesting. I like that. That's really cool. It gives a good gives a good closure to that, the alpha to the omega. It's a mystery. And the most delightful, delectable thing in life is the mystery I will never know all the things I will never see all the things I will never hear all the things I will never taste all the things I will never understand all the things Hmm. so there's always something around the corner I really like that thought and with that my fountain pen is put away And I would like to thank you for letting everyone finally hear again. I mean, it's been 200 episodes or six years or something like that to finally hear about you. (laughs) Now, other than the Hey Human podcast, which you're all listening to, what else do you have coming up? What else are you on? We know the Are We There Yet podcast show. I'm hoping that at the time this comes out in celebration of seven Seven years. fucking years. That my short film, the first, editing it. <laughs>
Brian Wilson, no relation to the Beach Boys. Uh, <laughs> that, that'd be a little editor. difficult right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll see. That's fantastic. I'm really excited, and I'm working on my feature, uh, the new the new feature. So, yeah, lots going on. Right on. Well, I hope you all uh, have enjoyed this. Yay! And <laughs> apologies if you didn't. If you yeah, if if you didn't, it was entirely my fault. No. Yeah, absolutely. Trevor, um, thank you. No, thank you, and I hope you have an amazing eight, nine, and ten years. And I hope uh, episode three seventy one is <laughs> as awesome as this one has been. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening. Take it easy, and, well, tune in next time. Thanks, Trevor. You're welcome. Thank you. Love you. Love you very much. Bye. Bye, everybody. Well, that was a wild ride. Thank you, Trevor, for the interview. (laughs) It's so much fun. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I can't believe it's been 370 episodes in seven years. It's very hard to wrap my head around that, but I'm so happy to have been on this experience and share all these incredible human beings and interesting human beings and funny human beings and scary human beings and everything in between with you. And I really, I'm so honored that you have shared it with your friends and family and workmates and all of that. I couldn't do this without you. It has, I've learned so much uh, from this show about myself and the world around me. And I'm just, I couldn't imagine a better use of my time. I've just really, really dug it. And I'm honored that you listened to the show. I know there are truly hundreds of thousands of shows to pick from. The fact that you listen to this one is incredible. So thank you and happy anniversary to all of us. Be well, be kind, be love, take care of each other. And thank you for seven wonderful years. I don't know what's coming, but uh, let's keep going. All right. Bye.